If you will, this morning, turn with me to our text. It will be found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 39. It's Matthew 10, 39. Our text this morning reads this way. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. How full of mercy Thou art. How long-suffering, Lord, Thou art to us, Thy people. O Lord, I pray this morning that You would warm our hearts and our bodies with Thy presence, with Thy gospel, with the light that is in Thy Son. O Lord, take our minds from the cares of the world and the cares that we have now in this hour. Lord, may You bring us captive to Thy feet. May You bring us to Thy feet to be instructed in Thy Word. And Lord, may you anoint this hour with thy clarity, thy power, thy strength, that you would humble us before thee, Lord, and you would pour into us thy truth this day for the glory of thee. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time I was up here, I spoke of uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we spoke what that meant, and we spoke the about what what that means in a child of God's life. And this morning, our text uh, explains to us what the fruit of that is. The fruit of being in the kingdom of God. A fruit, I should say. Not the fruit, but a fruit. Um, this text, and you see, once again, the words are in red. So Jesus, addressing the people here, he said, He that finds his life shall lose it and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it and it almost sounds like a paradox to us like it doesn't make any sense but i hope after we speak about what we have to speak today we can explain what jesus meant and what he is saying in this passage and i hope it blesses you this morning and warms you and causes you to question I believe, as I said last time, the Word of God, Jesus used questions. There's a reason for that. The Word of God searches us. The Holy Spirit searches us to see if Christ's work is in our souls. And if it is, He brings that forth to us to show us that Christ is the power thereof. Christ is the life. That's what Jesus is speaking of this morning. So if you will with me, we're going to back up to verse 32, and we'll read down to our text. Jesus had just uh, dealt, as we talked about last week, with anxiety, and the anxiety we have as believers and how much he cares for his people. He told them the hairs of their head were all numbered. He told them that, um, that the Lord cares for the sparrows, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, meaning... Nothing goes outside of his knowledge and his love and his care for his people. And then he tells them not to fear because their their lives are of more value than that of the sparrows. And we talked about that last week or last time about how the Lord takes care of his creation and how we are a greater creation, that we have a soul in us and that he has designed life for us, us to live. And then we come down to verse 32 this morning after 
Jesus deals with that, that issue of anxiety and trusting him. And he starts this, this section, I should say, or it's not really a section. It's in his sermon or what he's speaking to them. And, and he says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And the first thing we see in the life of a Christian is it's not enough to believe. In fact, James, in the, in the second chapter of James, he tells us even the devils believe. So in a child of God's life, not only does belief come, as it's a faith is a gift of Christ, but the power to confess the power to say, this is my Lord. This is my Christ. Thou art the Christ. You have the words of eternal life. Where else can I go, Lord? That power and that energizing life is what Christ is to his people. So he says to them, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Paul said it this way in Romans 10, 9. He said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe, they go hand in hand, in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we see saving faith comes with a confession. A confession that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. John said it this way in 1 John 4, 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And that is the fruit of this union that I speak so much about. To be in Christ, is the, that's what the Bible explains. That's what Jesus explains. What does it mean to be in me? This is the fruit that is born out. We not only believe him because of his faith. As Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. But we confess that He is the Lord. He is our Savior. And we confess it by that same faith and by that same one who gives us that. The power of Christ. The hope of glory that lives within us. But, verse 33, Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And this is a challenging verse to us this morning. And it's challenging because we know that at Jesus' death, that all of the disciples forsook him. All of them denied him. All of them did not confess that he was Christ. So this must mean something a little deeper than that. And of course it does. As the Lord spoke, it was never about the outside of the cup. It was never about outside works. It was about the power of Christ in the soul. And so this is, he's saying, in, if you deny me before men, if you deny what the Word says about me, if you deny the truth as it's, if you're opposed to His truth, if you, if you drop off His truth, meaning you believe for a time and you don't believe anymore, if you, if, if you do those things, there's a very good explanation. Jesus says, I'm not in you. We see that a lot in his teaching because a lot of people followed him. And then the next scripture said they followed him no, no longer because it was too hard. Or they, they didn't like what he had to say. For a long time they confessed he was the one they wanted to follow. And, or they, 
They believed for a time. But this goes deeper. This is speaking of who His, his true people are. Which, by the way, is only known to Him. And so He says, Whosoever... Um, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. This was a radical idea to the Jews. Because of course they believed and they wanted Jesus to be the Messiah that they waited for to set up that physical kingdom. That they would rule once again. That they would be the power on earth. And that's what they were looking for. Jesus said, but... Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. And you say, well, wait, I know my Lord is the Prince of Peace. And I know that if I have any peace upon this earth, it's because of Christ in me. Yes, that's what I'm saying. These passages are deeper. They mean something to the child of God. They mean something on the surface. They mean something to us to say, yes, that's the way the earth is. We, we see the earth today. There is no peace in it. There's rumors of war now more than there was a month ago or two months ago. And Jesus said, I didn't come to send peace on earth. And man looks for that physical peace. They look for things, and that's a sign of God. And the Jews did that a lot. But the peace is within the child of God. Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come. To set a man at variance with his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That's a fulfillment. That's a fulfillment of Micah 7, 6, where it's written, For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. And, and, and that's what the gospel does. It divides. And remember what our text is this morning. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And that's where Christ is building up to. What is losing your life? And what is finding it for Christ's sake? And always, in what Jesus is saying here is that there are things in this life that we immerse ourselves in. Whether it's a job, whether it's politics, whether it's sports, whether it's family. And that last one is very hard for us. Because we say, well, family's a gift of God. And it's true. But that family can be an idol in our lives. This whole passage is about the preeminence of Christ in our souls and in our lives. I told you, it's very examining. We're all, as the Holy Spirit leads us, are questioning right now, is this the truth? Is this the truth in my life? Are there family members, are there people in my life that I esteem higher than the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not here to ask you that. But if the Holy Spirit asks you that, He will reveal the answer to you. And in the pages of the Scriptures this morning, He's revealing to us what the proper order of life is. You want to know what life is? Christ is life. 
Christ's life in our souls, Christ's life in our mind, Christ's life in our heart. So we talked about last time, all these things shall be added unto you. What is that? All our cares and concerns that become idols in our life, that become what we worry about, that become what we're fixated on, and we lose sight of the reigning Christ, the shepherd that shepherd who has always, always provided for us our souls. Listen, there's many times I know that we have looked in our life, we say, well, I didn't get this that I asked for, or I didn't get this that I worked for, or this wasn't fair. But the Lord certainly has designed every trial and everything in the child of God's life to reveal Himself, the need for Christ in our life. So yes, He did come to set a, at variance his father and daughter, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And then in 37, we start to get to the tenor of the passage. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's carte blanche, the truth right there. If you love your family more than me, you're not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It's, I know, we love our family. We love spending time with them. But I, I, I have lived almost 52 years now, and I can say this. I've had a family for a long time. If Christ isn't the Lord of my life, then my family life is going to suffer. It is. I'm going to give in to things I shouldn't give in to. I'm going to listen sometimes to the voice of my family and not the voice of the Lord. But if He is the Lord of me, if He is the Lord directing me, if my eyes are stayed upon Him, there's peace. There's love. There's no discourse. That's what Christ is. This variance he's speaking about is speaking about, as we see now in the tenor of this passage, Christ must be first. He must have the preeminence in our lives. And then he says in 38, And he that taketh not his cross, and that cross is represented to us in many things, and the, Certainly can be in the problems that we have in our families, the financial problems that we have, the problems we have with unbelief, the problems we have in society, the problems we have with self, that warfare that's always going on in us. There's times this morning that we feel defeated. I hope she don't mind me mentioning this, but Kim, the lady who comes here once in a while, was on the way here this morning. And uh, the Lord's providence forbade her to come. And so she started questioning whether the Lord is, if she is the Lord's child or not. That's what we do. That's what we do. We question when the hardness comes, when the hardships come. We say, Lord, why? Why are you doing this to me? But He always has His will and purpose in our lives to reveal our need for Christ and to give us that desire to desire Christ more. 
That's not found in us. It's certainly not found in the members of this body that Paul said is riddled with sin. It's found in Christ alone, the hope of glory that lives within us. That the Holy Spirit testifies to us that we cannot live without. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And then we come to our text. He that finds his life, he finds his life in the things of this world. He finds his life in the family of this world. He finds his life in the relationships of this world. He finds his life in the riches of this world. This is a promise of the Lord Jesus Christ to his people. If you find your life that is rolled up in those things, you shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake, for my, the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, shall find it. He tells us in this passage that he is life. He is the savor of life. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus said, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He must be Lord. He must have lordship. The Father has given him lordship over all the earth. And he is the Lord and King over his church. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus said these words, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, if we have lost that communion with Christ, listen to this, wherewith shall it be salted? Where are you going to get that at? Are you going to get it in the earth? Are you going to get it in, in society? Are you going to get it in the things of the earth? It is thenceforth good for nothing. If Christ is not our life, our life is good for nothing. That's in the eyes of God. Not in the eyes of man. The eyes of man, men will tell you how good you are. Men will tell you how bad you are. But in the eyes of the Lord, God the Father must see His Son. And he does. We're clothed in his righteousness. How is it ever that those words will be heard? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Must be in Christ. Must be robed in his righteousness. Must walk as he walked. And that's his promise to us. You will lose your life. You will lose those things that are so important to you. I pray that now at this very moment. That in this moment, the Lord is taking inventory in your life. And he's answering that question. Has anything been put on the altar in my life? Have I lost these things in my life and have I gained Christ? I can't answer that. I'm honestly, I can't answer it for me. The Holy Spirit must answer that. He must say to you, yes, Christ has caused you to forsake fill in the but he also reveals to us those things that we still are hanging on to. And it's not unlawful to love your family. And it's not unlawful to appreciate and love and, and cherish the things that the Lord has given us. 
Be thankful for the jobs He's given us. Be thankful for the things He's given us. But what Jesus is speaking of is idolatry. And having anything to share the throne with Him. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, there's a place in, before we go there, let me share with you Proverbs 8.35. Solomon said this in the power of the Holy Ghost. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Now I was thinking about that, that Solomon would write that because we know he's also the writer of Ecclesiastes and he did that great experiment. You know, he, he had it all. He looked out. He, he indulged in all things and he said, it's all vanity. And that's the Lord leading him to show him that he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. As that Lord proved that in your life, that the things of this this world are vanity. I tell you, we're we're surrounded by death. uh, Stephanie and I were heading home last night. We drove by a cemetery and I said, you know, It means a lot more to me now driving by a cemetery than it ever did when I was 20 years old, 25 years old. I just sped on by it. Now the soberness and the reality of those tombstones and those people that that are there or or laid there, it's a finality. It's a finality for them on this earth. And, and, And I think about that a lot more now in life. What is my life? What is life? As the Lord examines me in His Word. I know what He says life is. That's what He's telling us this morning. I want to take you somewhere this morning to John 12 to show this. It's truly, if I can put it this way, what Jesus is saying in our text is our life must must be immersed in Him. He must be our life. John 12 shows us what Christ in us reveals, what Christ in us does. Okay, John 12 starts this way, and this is right after, of course, Lazarus was raised from the dead, and Martha and Mary, and and it says, uh, verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. That pound of ointment ointment of spikenard was the equivalent. It says very costly. It was the equivalent of one year's wages. She had given what was the most precious. She became poor. What is this? She has lost her life and gained it in Christ. She has lost the things of this life. She has forsaken the things of this life that are so important to her, are so important to man. And she anointed the feet of Jesus with it. This is a mark of Christ in the soul. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tells us this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, 
that ye through his poverty might be rich. She is rich now in Christ Jesus. She has turned her back on the riches of this world. And she said, all that I have, I'm going to break it and put it at the feet of my Lord. You're going to see the reaction of one of the disciples here. Of course, it's Judas. And, but, um, but then that wasn't all. That's not all that the Lord, His work in our soul, that's Christ in us. He became poor. He came down from heaven. He left heaven's glory. And He came down here to be born in a barn, to be ridiculed of man, to to suffer the death of the cross for His people. And He shows us the way in Him and empowers us in the way that's in Him. That's that's what Mary's filled filled with here. But that's not all. She anointed the feet of Christ and wiped His feet with her hair. With her hair. Men, what do we know about Our Lady's hair? It is precious to them. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11.15, But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. I thought about that this morning. I told Stephanie I was going to use her. She was in there in front of doing her hair. And that's, that's not uncommon. That's the glory of the woman. I want you to understand that her covering, she took of her covering, her the essence that said who she was, and she got down on her knees and she took that hair and she rubbed His feet. She laid her glory at His feet. Well, isn't that what the Lord says that we'll do in heaven? We'll throw our crowns down at His feet. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ did in the laying down of of the glory of His life? That He would take it up again? That's what I'm saying. You want to know what it is to find your soul and lose it, and find your life and lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it? Do you want to know what that is? I don't know of a better place in the Word of God where this is shown. All of that that was the most glorious to her, she took and laid at his feet and anointed his feet. And the house was filled with the odor of ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Oh, what a noble idea. But that's not what he cared. The Bible tells us that's not what was in his heart. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. He wanted to cut. He wanted to steal. But listen to what Jesus said. I found this to be astounding too. Then Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. You know how many times Jesus told his disciples that he was going to lay down his life? 
You know how many times in the Gospels he sat and told them that he would go to the cross? And they never believed him. They never, it never was quickened to them. But on this day, it was quickened to her. The Lord revealed the truth. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let her alone. Matthew's account of this said that this day will be a memorial for her. It'll be spoken of throughout all, every time the gospel is preached and mentioned. And here she is, 2022, and we're mentioning Christ's work in her. Why? Because that's the gospel. This is the gospel, what Christ does in his people's lives. He is life. He is the reason she laid down her riches. She is the, he is the reason she took the glory from herself and was immersed into Christ. He is more worthy than I am. He is more worthy of this than I am. Do you see it? Do you see the glory of Christ working in the soul? If not, we'll go to another one. Let's go to the Apostle Paul. And that's in Philippians 3. Philippians 3, very familiar passage to us. We'll start in... Uh, we'll start in 4. Though I might ha also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Listen to Paul's accolades. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. That legal life, it's funny, most of religion today looks at that legal life and believes that's living unto the Lord. Looks at a legal life and says that life must mean that that person is a Christian. Paul said, absolutely not. Oh, I thought I was. I thought I was a God follower. But what things were gained to me? And all of those were gained to him. He raised really high up in the Pharisaical order. That's what he's telling us. I had a high position. I was trusted. I had the accolades of men. They all fought. They all looked at me and said, Paul will get the job done, Saul. But those things that were gained to me, those things in my life that now I've lost, those I counted lost for Christ. What's our text? He that finds his life shall lose it. He that finds his life in Christ will lose his old life. And he that loses his old life for my sake shall find it. He's absorbed into me. I am his life. That's what he says what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. For Christ to be my life. 
Well, Paul, how is he your life? Well, I'll tell you. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Their loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Stop there a minute. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ in my mind, in my heart, in my soul is greater to me than all the accolades of men, all the riches of men, all the position that I have with men. Just the knowledge of Christ in my heart and in my soul. Is that your testimony this morning? Is that my testimony this morning? I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. My life has been swallowed up in Christ. Christ is my life. For whom, whom, the Lord Jesus Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things. What, you thought it was going to be easy? You thought it's just a quick decision? You think it's easy believism? You think, I? oh, I'll just walk out and renounce everything that I have in my life. That's works. We're talking about grace here. We're talking about what grace does. Grace makes you turn your back on those things. Your will never will. You need a power greater than yours. You need that strong man bound in your soul and cast out that the stronger the Lord Jesus Christ would reign and show his preeminence. I've suffered the loss of all things. And you know what? I count them but dumb. What? Listen, we've got some pretty powerful things in our life. Positions, and titles, and money, and land. And how can we get here? Hmm. I do count them but dumb. All of those things. And I'm not making light of what the Lord has given us. That's not what I'm saying. Be thankful for those things. But that lust and that desire that we have to be someone or something, that's not Christ in us, the hope of glory. No. The Lord told us we are the salt and the light of the earth. But that light that emanates from us isn't our light. It's Christ's light. I count them all but dumb that I may win Christ. It is a battle. Paul knows it's a battle. Oh, that I could win Christ. Is that all, Paul? Is that it? No, no. I want to be found in Him. Oh, well, go on. What, what do you want, Paul? I want to be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness. You know what? I want the same thing. I really do. I want to be found in Christ not having my own righteousness. Not trusting it, not even thinking about it, and counting it as a filthy rag. I want to be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. There it is again. The faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. 
That's the righteousness I desire to be clothed in. His. That's the righteousness I desire man to see. His. That I may know Him. Yeah, He's still not done. That I may know Him. That's an intimate knowledge. Not know of Him. Know Him. Intimately. In my soul. Commune with Him. To know that union. To know where I wake and I rise and when I go, He is with me. To know that He will carry me through every trial and every hardship and there's nothing that He has designed in His perfect providence that will overcome me because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. That I may know Him more and the power of His resurrection. That's resurrection life. I want to be filled with that life. I don't want the world's hands on me. I don't want them to pull me back to them. I don't want the lust of society and the things going on in the world to cloud my mind and to take it from Christ. To be found in Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. That is the testimony of one who found his life and lost it, and he that lost his life for Christ's sake found it in Christ. I don't know how you don't read that entire thing there and see someone whose life is nothing but Christ. Do you desire that? Not in the flesh, because it will produce nothing but in the Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit say to you, I desire that. I desire His kingship in my life. I desire Him to be Lord of Lord and King of Kings in my life. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Show me, Lord, that in those sufferings you are in them, that you have ordained them for me, that you are faithfully guiding me as my shepherd all the way through them. And show me, Lord, that you are conforming me to your death. Isn't that what we really want in our souls if Christ be in us? The last place we'll go is back over to Matthew. This time... Not where our text is, but I believe it's Matthew 16. The end of Matthew 16. Let's look at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples. Notice we're at the further along in Matthew, and you're going to see some of the very things that he's already taught us this morning. He's teaching it to them again. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Be immersed in my life, in the life of Christ. Walking in the footsteps of Christ. We can never have a dual path. We can't walk our path and walk his path at the same time. It'll never work. Christ must carry us and lead us as the shepherd in his path. 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. He says it again. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And we leave you this morning with these piercing questions. I've read these many times in my life and the Holy Spirit is so faithful that every time I read them, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. It's searching. It's convicting. I just, I picture the words of my Savior saying them to me. What is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What what are you profited? What if you get all the titles and all the riches? What if you're the world's leader, but you lose your soul? I think about that in the parable of the man who built the barns, and and then he had more plenty of riches, so he tore them down. He's going to build more barns. The Lord said to him, Thou fool, tonight I require your life. That's what it is to live and die with this world in your heart. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And then the follow-up question. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. May the Holy Spirit ask us those questions this morning. And may he reveal the answer. And may the answer be found in our text one more time. Matthew 10, 39. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power and thy clarity. For thy name's sake and for thy glory. For this I ask in Jesus' name.